Oh, hey, y'all. You've heard me brag for a while now about how I, a person who used to be scared to use my own oven, learned how to cook like a real live adult during lockdown, and now I am as good as that guy on the bear. Now, this is all true. Uh, here's the thing, though. Even though I am now an amazing chef, it takes me a very long time to cook. It is not something that comes naturally to me. And lately, my life has gotten way, way, way more busy, and I do not have the time to devote to cooking like I used to. That is why I am so deeply excited about the pod's new sponsor. They came along exactly when I needed them. I am talking about Factor. Let me tell you a little bit about Factor. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You will have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan and veggie, and more. And... There's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. Y'all, do you understand how amazing it is to have a microwave meal that that tastes like I spent hours cooking it, but it comes pre-prepared? One of my favorites that Factor sent me was roasted garlic butter salmon with celery root cauliflower mash and Parmesan broccoli, and it just came like that. I didn't have to cook it. Y'all, what are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Here are some facts. Factor, they make two-minute meals. Fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. They also do snacks, smoothies, and more. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save, y'all. Factor has done the math. They are less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian-approved to be nutritious and delicious, Factor is the perfect solution if you are looking for fast, upscale options done easily. They're also flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We are talking no prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there is no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. What more do you need to hear, y'all? Head to factormeals.com slash comingoutpod50 and use code comingoutpod50 to get 50% off. That's code comingoutpod50 at factormeals.com slash comingoutpod50. Get 50% off! Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Hey, y'all. Hi. Welcome to Coming Out with Lauren and Nicole. We are a weekly podcast where we have queer folks on from all walks of life. They tell us the tales of how they came out to friends, family, and the world at large. Because who doesn't love a coming out story slash uh, current day issues in our queer community? Yeah. And so in case you hadn't already guessed based (laughs) on what Lauren said in the deviation from our normal intro, uh, today is one of those days where we will be deviating from our regularly scheduled program to bring you current day issues affecting our community and other communities that intersect with our community. Yay! Um, Today, I, I mean, like, it's going to take all of my power not to just like explode in my seat because I'm so fired up about what we're talking about today. Uh, we are joined by the wonderful BB and Andy J, um, both teachers in Ohio and Pennsylvania, respectively. And for those of you who don't know out there, uh, there are some horrendous Uh, bills and uh, now legislation laws Mm -hmm. uh, that are coming down through many states uh, from the conservative party, uh, restricting what we what teachers are allowed to teach in schools. Um, But basically, these bills do not want uh, issues of really LGBTQ issues in general, um, but specifically trans issues um, and issues of race that cast white people in a less than good light um, in in modern times. Uh, to They do not want them to be discussed. Um, and modern times is also a very important, like contemporary versus history is a very important distinction in these um, that essentially they're saying it's fine to talk about slavery and civil rights as long as we know that that's the past and America's not racist now. Like, that's essentially what these are saying. Um, so it becomes very tricky because it's then like, how, well, how do you talk about, let's say, the Black Lives Matter movement without talking about what's happening right now that all is related to the beginning of the country till now, etc. Uh, you can see how all of this is, is insane. And then how do you then have out teachers? How do you have teachers who are trans? How do you have teachers that are queer or identifying anywhere under that umbrella and uh, avoid that topic somehow? What if mm-hmm. a kid comes out to you, et cetera, et cetera? There are mm-hmm. just so... Uh, t- all of queer history, like, <laughs> it it becomes um, a minefield for, for teachers. So um, um, we're going to be going into what some of those bills are, um, defining some things uh, that are being said that can't be talked about, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but we really wanted to have two queer identifying teachers on with us to talk about this who are actively affected by what's happening right now. Um, so, Bibi, Andy, thank you for joining oh us. Gosh, thank you for having us. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, so I'll just at random, um, Bibi, would you introduce yourself? Tell everybody a little bit about you, how you identify pronouns, when you came out, your bio. Yeah, okay. Go for it. <laughs> um, my name is B. I um, am queer. <laughs> it's, it's ever flowing, but queer. <laughs> Um, my pronouns are they, she, I am a non-binary teacher in Philadelphia. Um, I teach seventh and eighth grade science and social studies. I actually teach at the middle school that I attended. 
So it's, it's, it's strange being on the opposite side of that. Um, but it's great. I love it. I came out to myself when I was around 12 and then, um, I was outed when I was 14 also at that Ugh. middle school that I currently teach at. I was going to say, oh, my God. Wow. You teach, like, in the PTSD <laughs> zone. <laughs> <laughs> like, so intense. That is correct. Um, when I was 14. Um, and then I came out as non-binary last year. I was about to say, it was really, it was yeah. freak, it, like, like yeah, recent, recent. Because I... I I should mention, I know Andy and B uh, both from Biosphere, from uh, from the group that I facilitate uh, at the center that we've talked about many a time. Um, but uh, they came in in different times, at different times. So they actually are just meeting each other today. But I feel like, B, when you first came into Biosphere, you were not out as non-binary. I, I feel like that's been a... Yeah, but yeah. I remember you talking about how, at that point, you were starting to play a little mm-hmm. bit with presentation. Yes. Yeah. So it's been really fun to watch your journey on Instagram (laughs) since then. Yeah, I was going to say, I I don't facilitate Biosphere very often at all, but I know you both or certainly recognize you both from Instagram and B specifically. Mm -hmm. I know that we've exchanged some like comments and stuff before. And yeah, I I, same same feeling where it's like have have watched the evolution. So it's very cool. Yeah, the 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 journey has been I like it. (laughs) (laughs) yes 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 so um so then the question next question uh pertaining to this conversation um to what extent are you out at the school that you went to and teach at um i am out like my sexuality wise out since i started i started three years ago um was out that whole time Mm -hmm. and i am out as non-binary um not I came out the uh, 20, 2020, 2021 school year. So I just finished out that oh, school wow. year, not out, but this new st- school year, 2021 to 2022, I did start out, out as non-binary. Wow. Very cool. And is that, can I ask, is that like, um, literally kind of like a first day intro thing that you that you mm. sort of say when you're when you like write your name on the board or what you know, I mean oh, yeah, what, I don't yeah. know I haven't been Pronouns. in school in a long time but yeah is that something that you sort of like get right off the bat or do you let it come up organically like what's the what's your personal and I know obviously it's personal because I'm sure all teachers do yeah. it differently but how with do do my it? with the staff I pretty much just let it go organically um and with the students, which is weird because I teach a dual class. So half of my class is seventh grade and the other half is eighth grade. So this school oh, year, really I still had have half of my students from yeah. last year. Um, so they knew me as, you know, Miss Burgess. So... Sure. I, so the new screen, I was like, hey, y'all, what's up? And they was like, hey, Miss Burgess. And I was like, hey, um, you can call me Teacher B. <laughs> like, oh, Teacher yeah. B. That's um, yeah, you can call yeah, me Teacher yeah. B. That's such a... Oh, that's and they were like, cool. okay. Yeah. And when we did our, you know, first day introductions, I was like, you know, say your name, um, what grade you're in, and uh, a fun fact in your pronouns. And they were like, Okay. And everybody went around, went around and I was like, you know, and I just went along with them. They were like, oh, okay. 
Um, for the most part, like they, I mean, they're seventh and eighth graders. You know, TikTok is their jam. Um, so, so like pronouns aren't new for them. So they just were like, okay. Yes. Oh my God. This is what I keep trying to tell my friends who are my age, who are so, not all of them. I'm thinking of one in particular. (laughs) But that's so cool. So it's just like, so I would assume then the faculty is like very supportive uh, of, or, oh, oh, he made a face that did a facial reaction. For the most part, yes, they're fine. For the most part, mm. there are some um, older, as an age, um, staff members that are like, mm. and I'm like, you know what? I don't, I don't, that I don't have. Whatever, it's fine. I do like I <laughs> uh-huh. don't care. <laughs> like, I am don't have the mental energy to like try to get in, in it with you, but. Like I, in the beginning of the school year, like all of my paper, not so much paperwork, but anything we got or emails, you know, kept like they all say Miss Burgess, which is fine. Um, I'm okay with that. You know, anybody can call me that. But when I started to be like, hey, teacher B, like almost immediately, they were like, okay. So now every email I get has teacher B at the bottom. Um, Any text message I get, teacher B. Um, and I feel like it, it's a little bit harder for these staff members who was there when I was a child because, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh my God, oh my yes. God, oh my God, Whoa, of course, mind fuck, yeah. Also, I just, I've never thought of, I can't believe I've never thought of this before, but I love the idea of teacher fill in the blank, right? Because like professors get that. Professors, oh, yes, yeah. yes, professors, because they, you know, it's <gasps> true. At least you would assume they have a doctorate, though some of them don't. But, um, you know, so they get the professor title at that level. But why not have teacher titles starting in kindergarten? Right. Why not? That makes it so easy. Yeah, and that's it's... like a sign of respect. I love that. And then you don't have to worry about the like, oh, is it Miss or Mrs. Yeah. with the marriage? That's what Which I was going to say. Like everything anyway. else. Like everything else, it's based in the patriarchy and misogyny because you <laughs> yeah. because that means that kids know if a female teacher is married or not, yeah. but they don't know if a male, like, what the fuck? And then what if that teacher gets divorced? And then they got to come back after the summer and be like, it's Ms. now. <laughs> like, that sucks. And that's just, like, so weird that we just we just think that's like, yeah, that's that's how it is. Yeah. It's like, Why? I so, love that. Yeah. Way to lead Great with point. teacher B. I love that. Teacher, yeah, yes. Awesome. Um, all right. So uh, before we uh, go into how do you feel about all the things that are happening, <laughs> uh, we will we'll put a pin in it. Uh, Andy, please, please introduce yourself. Yeah. To uh, my name is Andy J. I am in Akron, Ohio. I am licensed to teach uh, 7 through 12 integrated sciences. Um, my experience has primarily been with biology and environmental science. Um, I'm not currently teaching right now, which is part of my, like, sort of coming out. Um, when I was doing my student teaching, I graduated in uh, spring of 21. Is that right? Yes, spring of 21. Time is a construct. Wild times and pandemic. Pandemic time is not real. Um, and um, when I graduated, I had at that point realized that I was bi and transgender non-binary Um, I was not out at work at all. Um, I had one or two, like, co-workers that were in my, like, cohort as we were, like, student teaching. 
um, that like knew that I was bi, I actually realized in the middle of student teaching uh, in March, right before I graduated, that I was trans, um, which was just a wild time to be alive. Um, It was quite an experience. Like I had um, cut my hair and I came in and like my, I was like very prepared for like what my kids were going to say or my students were going to say. And um, I only got like one comment from one student that was like, why are you cutting your hair like that? And I was like, because I like it. And they were like, okay, cool. And like, that was it. (laughs) Um, And so uh, for the most part, it, um, that, that sort of went as, I just took it a day at a time to try to navigate and feel out like what the environment was like at my district. I worked at what is probably considered one of the more progressive, um, public school districts in the area and, um, did not get a great sense, um, that it would be a super welcoming spot to come out. Um, there was just like in, I'm sure, I don't know if B, if you've experienced this, it sounds like maybe you have just based on your face and like what you said about like especially older teachers where um just like (laughs) passive aggressive comments so like the school mascot was a viking and um someone made a joke about like if the viking had kids or something like that if it would be a boy or girl if they had twins i don't know what the line of logic was and then someone like passive aggressively put in the chat like or non-binary now because I guess that's a thing or whatever or something like that like in a meeting in a staff meeting like in the chat box and I was like okay so good to know where we're at and like um I don't know it was also the it just there was there's a lot of steps to be made I guess is what I'm saying and I just didn't get very affirming feelings from my district in like any there was nothing like super outright, right? Like my mentor teacher was both, I actually had two mentor teachers because my uh, first mentor teacher got bumped up to an assistant principal position. So I got switched to a completely different school with all new students. Um, so that was uh, quite the experience. So very different style of like teaching there um, and how I would approach sort of like coming out. Like I came out to only one student ever and it was at my first teaching experience Um, and they had, I had like given them intro, like sheet documents, like B was talking about you get to know you sort of deal. It had been approved by my mentor teacher before I passed it out. And when I got the responses back, I had done the same thing where I'd asked students if they were comfortable, you know, what, what pronouns can I use for you? Like, what would you prefer? And I got like nine students out of like 120 that were like, I used some form of they, in their pronouns or didn't use like cisgendered, you know, they didn't identify with their gender um, assigned at birth. And I had let my mentor teacher know because at that point she was still very hands-on because it was right at the beginning of my student teaching. It was like the first week. And I could see like the fear in her eyes of like, oh, is this student teacher going to get me in some hot water? Because this is this is stuff that, like, as we're going to talk about today, I'm sure it's very easy for parents to, like, get upset over and things like that. And so, like, there was, like, immediate recognition of, oh, this isn't a space that, like, we're comfortable doing this. Um, and she, mm-hmm. she was fantastic. Like, I loved both my mentor teachers. They were great. Um, but I think that, like, there's definitely work to be done um, in this state, obviously it's Ohio, like we're, it's very, um, it's, it's typically flip flopped red or blue, but like, it's mostly red with like mm. blue, you know, mm. Akron, Columbus, Cincinnati, like it's yeah. just very much, um, city based. And so, um, yeah. 
there were there's just little moments that like make it make it definitely feel like not super safe to come out at and that is part of the reason why um, I didn't hop right into teaching in my first year. I didn't know what district was going to be a best fit if supposedly this district that I had done my student teaching in was supposed to be like one of the more progressive districts in the state. I didn't know where that left me. Like, what kind of options do I have left at that yeah. point? Like, do I have to move to a major city yeah. in the state if I want to teach? Yeah. Do I stay here and like try to feel out if it's just a building by building sort of thing? Like, because um, I'm sure as B can attest to a lot of your um, experience in your school or especially like with your staff members is very much based on like the environment that you create with those staff members or like from your principal. Like it can change drastically from like just school to school and principal to principal how things are sort of handled and what priorities get, you know, mm. what things get top priority, so to speak. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Something you said I really wanted to highlight where you saw the fear in, like, your mentor teacher's eyes. and But that the, the mentor teacher is not even to blame for yeah, that because yeah. the mentor teacher is just responding to what she already knows from based on having to deal with administration and t- and and parents and and being constantly like probably in the middle of that Absolutely. fray and especially after the un- unbelievably hellish year and a half to 2 years that teachers have had having to teach over Zoom which is just <laughs> i i mean I it's it's beyond like af- after that um Having to now be dealing with all of this where you go, we're already like constantly shit on and constantly the ones who are having to navigate all of this. And now we have to worry about, as you all will will hear and we'll just dive into it now, like some of these bills, they're not just, Mm -hmm. oh, a teacher can get fired. Actually, most of these bills, it's not just, oh, a teacher can get fired. A teacher could lose their credentials, their teaching credentials, okay? A teacher can get sued by parents. And in some states, the teacher can get sued not just by one kid's parents, but can get sued a certain amount. It's like five to 10 grand per student in the class, yeah, and it's worth saying that with lawsuits, it's not just like okay, but like they're like if they win, it's like not a big deal. But it's like you get sued, you're automatically shelling out a shit ton of money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So even if it's like you're not in danger, this is a frivolous lawsuit. It's still gonna put you in an insane amount of debt. So anytime somebody sues you, you are fucked regardless Absolutely. of the outcome. And it's not even like, just parents especially on that a teacher's can salary. sue you. It's Jesus if Christ. anybody, it is opened up no, to the yeah. general public. If the general public catches right. wind of anything <sighs> that you've is, done. Yeah. So if someone were to like record you in class, something that you said and take it out of context and then show that to their parents, then that parent gets angry and then can, if they would like to, pursue suing mm-hmm. you um, for violating now actual laws that have been written in. Um, to legislation. Yeah. And just to give everybody out there uh, um, a little bit of, of background on what's happening. And I, I mean, I'll I'll do this and then I'll, I'll bounce to you, B and you, Andy, and you guys can <laughs> ping pong because you, you probably know more than than I do about this. Um, essentially, this these bills have mostly come up as a result of two different things. 
the boogeyman of critical race theory, or CRT, if y'all have heard this, um, which has been something that Fox News has just been going on and on about now for the past year. And it is it's a theory that's taught primarily in colleges, but then as a result of drumming up all this fear around it, it's become this thing that conservatives have have now rallied against, and it's creating a whole torrent of issues about how essentially history is taught and the lens through which history is taught uh, in American K through 12 schools, not just colleges. Um, so you have that. And Lauren will uh, define critical race theory in Should just I butt one in moment. Now? Yes. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> oh, I'll do it right yeah, now. Okay. Yeah. I literally, so this says critical race theory for <laughs> yeah. dummies, which is me. <laughs> um, so please don't be ashamed because that's me. Uh, so first of all, critical race theory, it's an academic concept that is more than 40 years old. So this is not a brand new thing. This has been around, but is now having a moment, as we say. Uh, so it says, simply put, critical race theory states that U.S. social institutions, so that means uh, the criminal justice system, the education system, labor market, housing market, healthcare system. Uh, so, th- so simply put, these U.S. social institutions are laced with racism embedded in laws, regulations, rules, and procedures that lead to differential outcomes by race. That's not even for dummies. There are some hard words in there. But basically, it's saying, like, it's not just like, oh, uh, Joe Schmo over here is racist. Like, as an individual, he's a racist dude. It's saying racism is embedded in these systems Mm -hmm. that the U.S. depends on to function Mm -hmm. as a country. It's in those systems. So we can't just say racism is one person who had shitty parents becoming a shitty person because of what they were taught growing up. It's ingrained in what the United States is. Yeah, it's Boom. it's systemic instead of individual. Systemic. Um, yes. Thank um, you. That is the, the and, smart way to say it. <laughs> no, and then, and then the other thing, and of course there's plenty of things besides these two things that we're talking about that, you know, conservatives could get up in arms about, but it's really... The main the main thrust of all of these bills has to do with critical race theory um, and uh, trans issues. <laughs> so uh, kids coming out as trans um, and all of the adjoining bills that, you know, we've talked about, about uh Kids, trans kids in sports, um, any accompanying bathroom bills, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's all falls onto the same transphobia and misunderstanding and misinformation, et cetera. So um, anyway, this is the point at which I will ping pong it over to y'all. But um, B, I know you'd said when I messaged you <laughs> asking if you wanted to get in on this conversation, I know you'd said, oh, I have thoughts. I do. I <laughs> and so I would really love to hear those those thoughts. <laughs> Any thought you want to start Just with? All the thoughts. Um, the, the, <laughs> the critical race theory craziness that is happening, it's, for me, it's very... It's strange that it's an issue for people, for me, and I think it's partially, you know, I am of color. (laughs) So I'm like, I don't understand why you don't understand. Um, And also, I teach at a predominantly black middle school in Philadelphia. Like, all of our, all, not all, 
but majority of our, our student population and staff population are people of color. Um, so in terms of teaching, that's all already and has always been ingrained in how we teach our students because that is who they are. Like that's nothing yes. new for us because that is who they are. Um, so in that aspect, it's, it's, it's like, I don't understand why conservatives don't get why it's important to teach in a way um, that that shows that history is not just in the past. Like history mm-hmm. has consequences. There's aftermath. There, there, there is things happen because of it. And that is how I mainly teach my social studies class. Like I, to, for me, like knowing dates and times and people's names, that's not important to me. Like, I don't need you to know that. Like, I mean, know it, I guess. Like, great. That's a fun fact to have. Good. But what is the outcome? Like, can we think critically about this happened on this date? Why didn't it happen? And can we relate that to what is happening now? The answer 99% of the time is yes, we can. Because it sounds similar to X, Y, and Z. Let's talk about it. Yes. Like, like Everything. How do you understand your present without the context of the past? Correct. We didn't. We didn't all just pop into being at this moment in time. Like it is. It's absurd to think that the past doesn't color the present. We know that it does in in every way. And and I should also mention. Uh, I should also mention that because this is the sneakiest, most underhanded part of this whole thing is that the wording of these bills is about discrimination. And if you I'm going to I'm going to read one of these bills um, only because you if if we all heard this out of context, we might be like, well, yeah, I mean, that that makes sense. Um, But it's let's see. It is I'm I'm pulling up the New Hampshire one and in, in New Hampshire they're currently trying to extend this to um uh all of the colleges in New Hampshire as well. Um the public colleges at least. So here we go. Um the law bans public employers including K through 12 public school teachers in New Hampshire classrooms from teaching that any group is quote inherently superior or inferior is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether consciously or unconsciously, um, should be that they should be discriminated discriminated against or receive adverse treatment, or should not treat members of other identified groups equally. That 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 you're not supposed to do that, right? So like we hear all of that, we're like, those are good words. All of those are words, and they're good ones. Yeah, we shouldn't like we shouldn't discriminate against people. No one's inherently, you know, no one's inherently bad. Like people are equal, et cetera, et cetera. We hear all that, and we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, on its face, that that totally makes sense. Except that when you get deeper into it, especially when you say there's there's tricky wording of consciously yeah. or Unconscious. unconsciously, mm-hmm. yeah. Which is that's where you have to really pay attention where you're like, wait, what is what does that mean? Well, it means you can't 
insinuate that someone is racist who doesn't know they're racist (laughs) or acting in a racist way. Someone can't be homophobic or you can't call somebody homophobic or assume that they're homophobic if they're doing homophobic things, but it's it's unconscious. Um, and there are others. I want to say it's in Alabama or one of the wording to uh, or no, it was South Carolina. Oh, my God. Said that uh, you can't teach anything, any topics that would cause any oh one God, student, dude. any one student discomfort, distress or guilt. That's that the one. Might. That's the insidious one. And that one's you're like, what? And of course, you're like, well, don't make your students feel like shit. I mean, hi, like most teachers don't go into teaching, I would hope, to make their students feel like shit. So like like you're 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 trying to uplift your students if you're a good teacher. Regardless, it's not about that. It's about, oh, you might be teaching something to a a white kid that doesn't cast white people in the best light and make make them feel uncomfortable. And then they're going to go report that to mom and dad. And then the teacher can get in trouble. That's what we're talking yeah. about. So in other words, if you're teaching the civil rights movement, you got to make sure that no white kids feel bad about hearing what white people did during this. It, yeah. It's that kind of shit that's like, well, I think maybe we should fucking feel bad about that. <laughs> but like, like, at well, that like, point, I, that's, do you yeah. even teach it? Because they're like, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. There it's no like, way. you can't, you can't te- separate you one from the it's other. They're not you separable. You can't teach it totally objectively. Yeah, how do you? I mean, and this like, so that's fucking yeah, crazy. Right. Like, well, and so this is what I was going to say is like, I mean, granted, you're, B, you're in Philadelphia. Yeah. So that you, it's a liberal pocket, which is, which is great. Um, but so, you know, but it's like, who, who knows how far this this could go, right? These are this is happening state by state. And I think it's very easy in places that are more liberal to go like, well, yeah, that sucks. And I'll try to see what I can do about the other states, but thank God it's not gonna happen here. Mm. I think we need to definitely not think about it that way. I mean, first of all, Pennsylvania can be a swing state anyway. Whoa. So there's that. Oh my God. Pencil, driving through Pennsylvania is like Yes. Yes. So, but like, uh, he, part of uh, just to give everybody out there who, he, if you think you're in a safe state, let me just put the fear of God into you here for a second. Um, this is how close we are to this being a federal thing. Besides even, you know, God knows if Trump got back into office, he had a bill. He tried to pass an executive order before he left office with exact wording like this, which would make it federally mandated. Okay, so first of all, they're already trying that fuckery. But Mm -hmm. secondly, his number one, it looks like his his number one um, competitor right now for the Republican primary would be Ron DeSantis, who is the governor of Florida. Um, And Ron DeSantis already voiced his support for a bill like this that is coming out of Florida. So uh, this is a, a, a breath away from being federally mandated. Oh, hey, beautiful listeners. As you may have noticed, the nip of spring is in the air. Spring has sprung, you you may say, one may say. And when that happens, there's really only one gift you should get for you and your partner of choice, and that's laurels. 
Yeah, listen, we're coming up on sexy season. It's We're coming mm. out of hibernation. If it hasn't happened in your location yet, it's right around the corner, and you want to be prepared. Laurels are ultra-thin, single-use latex panties, so you feel everything, but they give you just a bit of coverage anytime you want oral, but, you know, maybe hesitating. Yeah, they're specially designed to be worn during oral sex and rimming. Uh, there's a variety of reasons why you might want to wear them. Maybe you're going down an Evolva and you want to explore at your own pace. Maybe you're feeling a little sensitive, either emotionally or physically, or you're experiencing sensory issues. Laurels can help. Oh, or maybe you someone has stubble on their face or body and you want to avoid the scruff. I can personally attest to the fact that the scruff is not preferable and laurels would have saved me in many a situation. Anyway... Mm. Um, Laurels is a queer-owned, woman-owned company, so you know we like to support them. And for listeners of our show, Laurels is giving 15% off your first purchase today at mylaurels.com. That is www.mylaurels.com using the promo code COP15. Whether it's for you or as a gift, try the world's first oral sex panties and learn to love oral always with laurels. Spring into spring with laurels. <laughs> it stays. <laughs> You've heard me brag for a while now about how I, a person who used to be scared to use my own oven, learned how to cook like a real live adult during lockdown, and now I am as good as that guy on the bear. Now, this is all true. Uh, here's the thing, though. Even though I am now an amazing chef, it takes me a very long time to cook. It is not something that comes naturally to me. And lately, my life has gotten way, way, way more busy, and I do not have the time to devote to cooking like I used to. That is why I am so deeply excited about the pod's new sponsor. They came along exactly when I needed them. I am talking about Factor. Let me tell you a little bit about Factor. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You will have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan and veggie, and more. And... There's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. Y'all, do you understand how amazing it is to have a microwave meal that that tastes like I spent hours cooking it, but it comes pre-prepared? One of my favorites that Factor sent me was roasted garlic butter salmon with celery root cauliflower mash and Parmesan broccoli, and it just came like that. I didn't have to cook it. Y'all, what are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Here are some facts. Factor 
They make two-minute meals. Fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. They also do snacks, smoothies, and more. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save, y'all. Factor has done the math. They are less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is the perfect solution if you are looking for fast, upscale options done easily. They're also flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We are talking no prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there is no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. What more do you need to hear, y'all? Head to factormeals.com slash comingoutpod50 and use code comingoutpod50 to get 50% off. That's code comingoutpod50 at factormeals.com slash comingoutpod50. Get 50% off! Bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, B, I guess my question just is, because you, you cut right to the heart of it, right? Which is, well, I guess we just you just don't talk about it. Right. But. How do you teach social studies, especially to the demographic of kids who you have? And not talk about it, is that one of those things where you would go? Well, fuck it. If I lose my credentials, I lose my credentials, but I have to do this. Or would it be a thing where you what what? What have you you've had to have thought of this, I guess. So like, what would you what would you do? Like I. So, you know, like I feel like we always hear, you know, do it for the kids. It's for the kids. Okay, so, yeah. So we're going to teach for the kids, not teaching anything. Is doing a disservice to the kids, to the children, because you're setting them up for failure. Because outside of K through 12, hey, real world, you, they, you're, they're going to experience these things. They're going to need to know how to move through society with background knowledge. Like you have mm-hmm. to know your history and how these systems operate so that you can live through them. You can live within them. You yes. can move within them. So if you don't teach it, those kids are not going to survive in society. They just, they, they aren't. Because I'm at yeah. a point and now, like I have seventh and eighth graders, like middle school is very much, it's still a very much a handhold kind of, you know, like they're still, they're still little. You know, they're still yeah. little. Even though they like to pretend that they're not. I'm like, 
they're like, can I have a hug? Yes, you can all day long. <laughs> like, you know, like they're, you know, they're still little. Um, yeah. And that the jump from middle school to high school is huge. Um, so that's like their first taste of the real world, especially in Philadelphia, where, you know, our students don't have to go to their public high school. You can go wherever you want. If you apply, you get in. Um, so you have mm. students who, you know, who are traveling all around the city to go to high school. They're going to have to know that you're going to be moving through different pockets and different places when the, within the city and know how that community functions so that you can be safe. Yes. That's really interesting. And if we oh, aren't yeah. teaching in terms of the systems and how the systems operate, it's, it's like useless. You're let it, we're letting, we're yeah, being it's forced worth- with like this decision of like letting down our students and literally yes. not educating them yes. or losing your, potentially yes. losing your job or getting sued or things like that. Like you're faced with that decision of <sighs> choose, choose Christ. which one, because a lot of the time, B, I'm not sure I should maybe know this. I'm not, I've, my entire education was like very science-based. So I know, know like what standards are for SOCH, but I would imagine that your state and national standards for socio um, for like history and things like that, like all of that must align somewhat at some point at that grade level with like you have to touch on it at some point legally. Yeah. Like you are mandated to like prepare your students for state tests and things like that. And your district is gonna be right. requiring you to hit on certain topics that include the civil rights movement. Correct. So what do you like you, like, ha- like you have you to you literally have to you teach have it, to do it. But if you so can't you separate one to- from the other Right. So then it comes a point where like, okay, you have, you know, like state standards that you have to hit on. Right. You have these state standards that you have to hit on and the kids have to be tested on them statewide. Okay, so are we finally going to get away with state testing? Because now you're telling me I can't teach it. I can't teach the standard with this bill coming out. You tell me I, I can't teach anything, you know, that deals with racism or oppression or anything. But that's like all of the Civil War. And they have to learn this in sixth and seventh grade. So I'm sorry, um, I shouldn't laugh. It's just so ridiculous. It's like Like do I now And it certainly means you can't answer any questions. That's what that's exactly what I was gonna say. Right. Yeah. Because it's like even if somehow you spent like a thousand hours and you managed to craft a lecture that somehow by some miracle of God was completely informative without leaving anything out, but did not take any sort of bias or emotional whatever, then you get one question and it all goes to shit. Because then what do you, like, then what do you do? Like, what the fuck? Because you think a kid is going to be like, but why were they using fire hoses on peaceful people? Like, you're going to get questions. (laughs) Well, and exactly, like, first of all, first of all, you're not giving, first of all, um, okay, the, these fucking morons. I'm sorry. I have, I just have no sympathy. Like, for the, the these morons, do they they think their children are growing up without the internet? I'm confused because right. this is this is the other thing. Is you're like, they're watching what's happening around them, mm-hmm. not just with their own eyes and in their own towns and cities, mm-hmm. on social media, on the mm-hmm. internet, on news. There's news happens twenty four seven. What do you think? And they're going to have questions about all of this. 
And they're not just going to ask you. It's going to come up in class because guess what? To your point, B, if you're a good teacher, like the way that you're teaching is going to spark critical thinking where they go, oh, wait, that thing sounds a lot like what just Mm -hmm. happened last week (laughs) on the news. And all it takes is one hand to be like, hey, hang on. Is that related to like this thing that I heard this person say? And like, I mean, and we're asking them not to do that or what do you say what do you what what go ask your parents kids no really that's i guess that's the because because that's what these bills are doing too it's they're 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 putting it under the guise of a like we said before with the the um wording of those bills right that it's it's under the guise of like no discrimination quote unquote right um and everyone's equal quote unquote but and then also it's parents rights to have oversight that's the other thing which on its face you're like Oh, well, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, as a parent, I sit here and I'm like, well, clearly I want to know what my kids are learning. Like, it's not that I, you know, but like, the anybody who has ever taught anything, I say this as uh, most people don't know this on the pod. I don't think of it. I don't know if anybody does. But like my day job, I'm a college counselor. So um I uh, I work primarily with juniors and seniors, um, uh, pr- primarily performing arts students on their auditions and whatever, but uh, big time on essays and things. And the number of times that I end up being mediator between parent and student, mm. it is it is half of the job. And like the if I had parents looking over my shoulder at everything that I was doing. And going in and correcting my edits on everything that I, I I would go and say I would quit. Like there's nothing I it, because too many cooks in the kitchen, right? There's too, too many. There's there is a line, right? So I don't know. I guess like Andy, you know, this brings up sort of tangentially something that you and I were were DMing about, and I hope you you go don't mind it. by bringing it up. We can yeah. obviously cut this out if you do. But you know, you said. You've been dealing with a lot of guilt about not currently yeah. teaching, right? And this relates to what B was saying about how it's always like you do it for the kids, you do it for the kids, but it's also to what Yeah, end? a thousand percent. And when it comes to being a, a queer teacher, a, a teacher of color, a trans teacher, it, it, any intersection thereof, like where is that I would I I hope you I, I would love if you could speak a little bit to that line that maybe you are currently battling in your own self of how to protect your own mental health and your own journey and also wanting to be there for students. Yeah, anyway, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think this transitions really nicely because it's not just that we have like a literal state and federal requirement to teach certain like core standards and principles to our students. But we also have like a moral obligation to prepare them for the world like B's talking about, right? Like once they get out into the world, they need to be able to navigate what is happening around them and make sense of what like what is happening now and how it directly relates to what's already happened. And um, how did we get here? That's like one of the fundamental principles of like all of like any history class that I ever took as a as a student was like, hey, these horrible things happened. Let's make sure they don't happen again by learning about it and talking about it, see where we went wrong, see what we can do differently. Um, and by robbing our kids, our students, those opportunities to have um, very meaningful, critically thinking, like 
exercises, discussions, discourse about those topics, you are you are robbing, including the white kids, you are robbing them the opportunity to improve, to come to terms with how they directly play a role, like we're talking about, in this overall systemic inequality that is happening. Um, and it is literally our, like, I cannot, as a person, I, I cannot send my students out into the world telling them that there are two binary genders and two binary sexes. But that is, like, literally how most textbooks are written. There's typically, like, a paragraph in a textbook mm-hmm. that says, there are sometimes abnormalities, is how it's often phrased. Like, um, that's the phrasing is very much, it is not um, a normal thing. It is a thing that is deviant. Um, and it is often rare, like, it is not common um, to have these sorts of characteristics that fall under what we would call, um, you know, this sort of disease or this sort of condition. Um, and so I cannot, like, I can't do that. That is not a thing that I'm ever going to be comfortable doing is misinforming my students based on a textbook that was written by an old cis, <laughs> cishet male however many years ago and has been updated, you know, 14 mm-hmm. times since by the same sort of publishing company to change a few words here and there, when we know for a fact, scientific, like, there is plenty of research. I, I promise you, if you spend any amount of time looking into it, there's so much genomics research going on right now at the collegiate level that is giving us more and more and more evidence of, hey, sexuality and gender are both a spectrum. Here's how we can sort of give you our findings to support that claim. Um, Cause that's what a lot of science is about, right? Like we don't, we don't say something is proven. We don't ever like prove a thing, but we can give you the evidence that we have to support a statement that we're making. Um, and so for me to sit and tell my students, um, this is the way that it is because it says so in your textbook and us not applying that again, not being able to apply that directly to what we're living through right now, especially our trans kids that would actively alienate those students. Research shows that if you are not creating that welcoming environment for your students, if you are not bringing them into those conversations, they literally do not learn as well. They don't retain the material. They don't connect with, you know, the content. Um, And so it's just bad teaching. And I'm I can't do it. (laughs) Like, I can't do it. I am too much. Like, I just, Mm -hmm. I feel too strongly about it. And so I, I think that particularly with what we're talking about now, it just adds more for me to consider as I'm moving forward, um, in my career. Uh, originally for me, it was very much a, I don't know how to navigate this quite yet. I hadn't, um, quite come out. And then um, when I finally did, it was to the point where I was perusing around at different spots that were opening up in my state. And again, because I didn't know the climate at those particular sort of districts, I was like, well, let's maybe sub around a little bit and get a feel for like what the environment is like. And then um, COVID went through another swing. And um, the way that Ohio works is it's very much a school board by school board sort of decision on like what health and safety policies are taken into account for COVID practices, whether you teach in person, whether you teach online, um, what we're requiring students to do and teachers to do. Um, And with that being, those types of decisions are being made by folks that aren't necessarily teachers, aren't necessarily doctors. Mm -hmm. They're literally just local people who ran for the school board and are making entire decisions for a whole district. 
So it's a very big deal. And this is why you should always vote in every election, even the quote unquote small ones. Yes. You got to vote. You got to vote because these are the fucking people who end up making decisions like this. And it's. Yeah. Bananas. Yeah, absolutely. No, <laughs> no, absolutely. Please vote. Yes. Yes. Um, and not just vote, but like, make sure you're, you know, you're reading up on, on who's up for pay attention to when school board elections are coming around. Read up on like the kinds of policies that people are running on um, and what their experience is. Why do they have a right to make decisions for a school district? What makes them qualified mm-hmm. to do that? Is it that they're a physician somewhere at a hospital nearby? Is it that they taught for 30 years? Like, what's going on? Because it's across, it's, it can run the gamut. It could be, you could be a stay-at-home mom, not that there's anything wrong with that, but in terms of, like, education in, uh, and experience in the, you know, education system, like, what is your, what are your credentials? Like, what, what makes you able to sort of make those decisions and speak to um, what your student base and teacher base and what your parents are going to, are going to feel comfortable with and, and safe with? Um, and so... All that is to say, um, I am constantly, constantly, this last uh, year and a half, two years, I have felt so much pressure to hop into the field because I am ready to do it. Like I have been, um, I was a TA before I like switched to teaching and got my master's in um, curriculum and instruction. And so like I've been working with students in some capacity for a while now and I know I'm good at it. Like, I know that I put in a ton of effort, a ton of work. Like, I'm hitting my marks. Like, I've passed my ed TPA. I know that I can do it. And I am constantly told by people, and I know that they always mean it so well, but they're always like, your students will be so lucky when, you know, when you find your fit. Like, they need more representation. They Like, you will fight for them. And I'm like, I know. I know that I will. But also, it's it shouldn't just be me like it should be like we should constantly be able to like it just it sucks that 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 sort of responsibility gets placed on um on teachers that are again oftentimes queer or people of color or um just just dealing with something that is other than so that students who are in those minority groups feel like they have representation. Like I wish it was so much more of a a collective community effort and a collective care effort um, to make sure that those students felt comforted. And instead it's sort of, we put the responsibility on those individual teachers to make sure that we're meeting those sort of support, support systems for those students in particular. Um, And so I, was telling Nicole that I am simultaneously as like more and more legislation comes out, I'm constantly like affirmed in my decision to not hop into teaching right away for my own mental health, because I know that I just, I'm not going to be a teacher who's comfortable, like actively being a part of a system that is not supporting my trans students, Mm -hmm. that is actively like making sure that we are not discussing critical race theory for our students of color. Like it just, it's, it's, I'm not okay with that. And so I will also say that it's affirming in that, like, like, so it's affirming in that I wouldn't be okay, but it's also just like, it breaks my heart because I know, I know where I taught. I know where, I know where I grew up in the school district I grew up in and how little representation those students have and like the kinds of voices that are um, advocating for them for lack of a better word. And it's not enough. And so I constantly feel this sort of, like, pull to just, like, get over it and just do it. (laughs) But I know that that's not probably necessarily the right option. And so right now I'm 
not teaching. Um, and that sucks because I love teaching and I miss my students and I miss my teacher friends. Like it's, there's a community there that's very special. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like I agree with the, you know, it being on like individual teachers because like to my knowledge and as of right now, I am the only out queer teacher at my school. Like I don't, I don't work at a huge school, but it's it's a nice size, and and it's just it's just just it's just me, um, to an extent, um, like out I guess out in that I'm very very visual. Like my classroom has all the all the flags up behind my desk. Like it's just you're the there. emotional support um, science and social studies teacher. <laughs> yes, but yeah, so it, it's it's just me to that extent. Um, uh-huh. and it's like, I, for the most part, the staff, like teaching staff at the school is different from when I was there. However, the administrative staff, pretty much the same. So mm-hmm. I know how it was <laughs> when I was outed or came out in that school. There is not a lot of support. Then, which was, how old am I? <laughs> which was roughly like, t- like 12 to 13 years ago. So there wasn't much support then. And by much, I mean, not at all. Um, and there isn't really much now. Um, and I, and it's, we have students who are discovering who they are. And we don't have, outside of my classroom, a safe space for them to discuss those issues or to just be themselves. And it's like, on one hand, I'm like, yeah, I get to be that teacher. Yes. Like, come talk to me, please. But it's also like, it's draining because I am, it is only me. Yeah. It's you get to be that teacher, but you also have to be right. that teacher. Yes. And there's like, like there is no yes. one else. Um, and I, and I, you know, education wasn't something that I always wanted to do. Um, but you know, once I got into it, I was like, yes, me, correct, because I had amazing teachers. I had teachers that I could look up to. Like at my high school, we had a few out teachers. Like gave like gay people everywhere in my high school it was amazing um and I got to see that and my students don't really and they I they don't really have anyone to talk to outside of me and it's hard always being that person when I'm like you know still having to like I have to emotionally support them but I also have to support myself and I also have to teach and deal with parents it's just it's a lot it's it's a lot and it and it like it just makes the burnout happen so much faster um of course and the struggle is real because i about about this close in december to be like you know what (laughs) i i cannot and the reason why i didn't was you know i you know, I want to be there for my students. Like, I'm not going to leave them in the middle of the year, like, bye. Like, I, like I'm like i going to stay there with them and for them. But 
everything is like how political education has become like over the past couple years, especially because of COVID it yeah. is, it's just putting a damper on everything. And it's, it's so stressful trying to deal with it all. It's all on top of teaching through a pandemic. Like just to add, like just to remind yeah, right. everybody, just, yeah, like just, just to, to, to sprinkle that yeah. on. Like that is on top of like I don't know, B, if like your school ever went to virtual teaching. It sounds like you've had experience with it when you shook your head. Ooh. Yes. Yep. Okay. So yeah. So Ooh. at some point there was virtual teaching happening, <laughs> That's right? Yeah. That's a whole other minefield. And then there's the transition back, and then there's keeping up with like mask mandates or not mask mandates. Like that is all on top of grading, COVID things, parent things. Like it is. Teaching is so much more than just the, you know, the time you are in class. And right. what B is describing is, like, that emotional stress that you add on top of it when it comes to, like, that weight as a queer teacher to, like, be that resource to those kids. It's all on top of already being a teacher in general. Well, and B, I mean, and again, again if you don't want to include this, that's fine. We can take it out. Um, but you, you don't. What you said to me, too, the other day on DM, like, just broke my heart. You said, what was it, like, three teachers quit last week? Was that yep. what you said? And I that one of, one of their students said to them, like, are we really are that we really, bad? Yes. Oh, God. Like, is, and it's so hard because, I mean, what else are they supposed to think, you know, when, they're, you know, when their yeah, teachers are, 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 are leaving, you know, to, to make sure that they... <sighs> you know, you know, stay, you know, doing what's best for them. But it's also, you know, like I tell people all the time, I'm like, these are my children. Like I mm-hmm. am their parent. They are with me for nine hours a day, five days yeah. a week. I am parent, you know, like I mm-hmm. am there to take care of them for that time period. So you know, when halfway through the year, you know, you've been with the teachers for a few, you know, a couple of months, you've built this relationship with them. And then all of a sudden they're like, hi, like I have to leave. And it, and, and you feel, they feel abandoned. And then they think it's their fault. And they're like, what, like, what do we do? Are we really that bad? And it's, it's, you know, I don't want to ever be the cause of, 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 of any, you know, sadness from them ever. Oh God. But at, but at the same time, it's also like, I, I just more, I've always felt this way. This has always been true, but I think in the past several years, it has just become exponentially true. The amount that we put on teachers and that we expect teachers to carry for the little that they are respected and paid is shameful. It's shameful. And it is no wonder why, like, there are a lot of dumb people in our country. Like, I just, we do not not value education in this country to the extent that we need to. We just don't. That's worth noting because this is not just, I mean, this is like a targeted attack quite frankly on education because the way you keep people oppressed and you keep people like doing what you want them to do is you make sure 
They're not educated. So all of this shit under the guise of protecting the children is a lot more nefarious in that it's like, keep them dumb, keep them complacent. Because part of me, when I get really angry, I'm like, fine, you fucking crazy parents. Then pull your kids out of school and fucking homeschool them if you don't want them to read X, Y, Z, or you don't want them to hear about any queer stuff. But then I'm like, you can't. We that's what you can't have these kids homeschooled because then they grow up not knowing shit and they're going to matriculate into society with the rest of us. Exactly. So (laughs) it's like such a sticky and then it's like you teachers feel the obligation like you're talking about or Andy that you're struggling with where it's like I have to do this for the sake of like the future and the but then like the personal toll. It's just like this is all. Like the the idea that it, going back to right uh, critical race theory, for instance, here, um, I don't know how you argue that racism and classism aren't systemic when the way that our public schools in this country are funded is based on your zip code. Mm-hmm. And say it one more time. Just say it like really money. loud. Say it nice and slow. <laughs> I need you bit. to like say it nice and slow and just like yeah, yeah, yes. How can you say <laughs> that the education system is not founded on racism and classism when the amount of money going into your public school is based on your zip code? How? I mean, you know, I hate like like. On some level, it's true that everything goes back to money, right? Like on some level, you you it 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 is. And until that changes, until the way that that districting happens and the way that schools are funded is based on the amount of money that any given town has to fund their public schools, uh, th- th- these problems are going to continue. There, there's no. It, it, the inequities are going to continue. I mean, it is just it's a travesty the way that the system is set up. And yes, it is set up that way so that then the, it keeps poorer people, usually people of mm-hmm. color, you know, uneducated and without the ability to get better paying jobs, better education, et cetera. So, I mean, it's just how how you cannot say that that's baked into the system it's willful. It's will. It's willful mm-hmm. ignorance and lies. Exactly. Right? And just, yeah, I feel like yeah. the like oh part God. of the reason why we need to tease this, and now you will use my own experience, um, is specifically because you know people um, who you know didn't weren't afforded those privileges in education don't realize that they didn't have those privileges until later in life. Me. For example, you know, I, you know, I went to Philadelphia public schools um, and I live in a, grew up in a predominantly black area um, and still live, um, currently live in the same area. Um, I didn't realize how much I wasn't prepared for higher education until I got there. And look, you know, and asked my, you know, white roommates, my, my white friends, you know, like, you know, what classes did you take in high school? Like, you know, like, yeah, I took, you know, we had, um, anatomy. Anatomy. I was going to say literally anatomy is the biggest one that'll get you. When somebody said they had anatomy in high school, I was like, you had what? You did what? 
You were doing dissections? You had hands-on labs with like scalpels? You did what? Wow. You just, you didn't have a frog and you had to po- uh, poke at it with a fork? Like that's not, oh, okay. Wow. That's, and we're taking that's the same not, anatomy like, class and have the same expectations of like what our baseline understanding is supposed to be. And it's, and it's super not. And I, and because of that, like I, you know, I grew up the quote-unquote gifted kid, you know, like in the Philadelphia public school system. Um, I, you know, so I didn't have to study based on the school system that I was uh, born into. So you don't develop So, um, and, and uh, yeah. freshman year of, um, of undergrad, <laughs> I, I was woefully underprepared, um, um, underprepared, and I, um, you know, I may have had to retake, um, four out of the five classes that I did take because I just oh, was not, per- I didn't know like baseline information yeah. I did not have, nor did I have the, the skills to build that up in a timely manner. Um, and it happens a lot where you don't know that you're not prepared. Like you, you don't know that your school system did not prepare you until you get to higher education. Mm-hmm. Thousand percent. And you know, you don't know why either because you weren't taught why you weren't taught about the system and why the system is built this way. And mm. that is one of the main struggles, um, at least for me, especially like realizing that like, hey, this is why this was happening to you and why you were struggling through college. Mm-hmm. It all of it was not your fault, because at the time, no, you you're know, not you set think up to succeed. You know, at the time, I'm like, it was my fault. I I can't do this. I'm dumb. I'm stupid. Like it's, it's all of it is my fault. And then you realize that no, it's, you know, all of it is not your fault. You were not prepared in the way that majority of your classmates were prepared. You just weren't. Oh, and then that's, and then that feeling of like, First of all, you're having to deal with it in real time. And by the way, with real That's money, because thing. taking classes again costs money. Every class that you take costs money. So that's you're you're literally you're literally paying for that gap in education that was not at all your fault. Right. Um, that was supposed to be your right as a citizen of this country. Mm-hmm. Um, so. You have that and then you have the internal like the because we all turn that stuff around on ourselves and go, well, why am I? I so I guess I'm stupid now. I guess I'm not as good, yeah. which, by the way, it like for some people will sink them that some some people that will yes. stop them from continuing on their journey because 100 percent. I mean, and that's, that's why that's you can't. Yeah. I almost dropped out. Like yeah. I well, that's the thing. Out. You can't just for colleges, you can't just look at, like, the acceptance rates of marginalized students and be like, they're doing a good job. You have to look at the fucking graduation. graduation rates because it's like, are they taking care of those students once they're there? And then you can also argue, well, like, but it's not the university's job to do that. They need to be set up to do it. And it's like, well, then who someone's got to take responsibility at some point. And if not for these responsibility, students, then set up supports that will that will close right. that gap, yes. that equity gap. Right. Like I was an an yes. RA in yes. college. What's up, RAs yes. out there? Like, RA love. Um, and <laughs> I can't tell you the number of residents that I had where we had to have some real, very scary conversations where they're like, I can't, like, I can't do this. And I'm like, you can, and I know that you can, 
but it's it's a matter of like getting you what you need to be able to do it right like it's not you we need to go let's me and you like do you have time after class tomorrow like let's go to the financial aid office because a lot of the time those conversations are not meant to go well either right like you are very much set up to not have the tools to even be a part of a conversation like you don't one like B is talking about you don't know what you're missing and even if you do find out what you're missing having the ability to reach out for what you need is not a thing that a lot of these students have Mm -hmm. been taught up to this point. And then even if they do have someone that's advocating for them, that is the sort of deal that like requires a ton of time and money and like follow up and things like that. And so these programs are not set up like B is talking about for those students to succeed. Like it is literally ensuring that they will fail and then taking their money while they do it. That's so nefarious that, ugh. Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah. And um, I should mention, too, sorry, to, like, to, like, just, I'm dropping this in here, and then I, there was a, there's another thing that I wanted to say in response to what you guys are saying, but um, uh, I should mention, just because we, we've started talking about collegiate stuff, too, so, like, in uh, certain states, a la New Hampshire, um, part of how they're threatening colleges, and not just the public ones that oh, yeah. fall under, you know, have state funding, et cetera, that, like, could fall into that purview. And and talking about banning topics at college is uh, absolutely bonkers, considering, like, co- the idea of a university is founded on uh, free discourse and the free exchange of ideas. Like, that's actually what higher education has always been. So... This is insane. But anyway, um, sort of completely contrary to what to what the foundation of that is. But um, they're trying to impose it in certain states on private colleges, even by threatening their accreditation. So in other words, they'll say we as a state, though, are going to say, no, no longer is Dartmouth a college, you know, like, bye. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just like like you, because we can do that we can revoke that i mean that's so anyway it's getting nefarious anyway um basically but, nobody's safe no, nobody nobody's safe. like this is a this is another no. like has so much of what you've been saying nicole also about the like oh thank god it's not happening in my state it's like the i hate to reference the and then they came for me <laughs> but this is exactly <laughs> fucking that it's exactly that it's not yeah. like oh well the private universities will be okay and we're wealthy we'll send our kid to a private no no one's safe fucking we gotta try to do no. something now and, like, beyond the fact that this is all for naught because the internet, um, <laughs> and, uh, like, it all kind of in some ways goes back to that, and we are in literally the age of information, and these kids are going to get it one way or another, um, and do you want to it to come from people who are actually trained in this and who also care about the children. This is... Yes, yes. Earlier when you were like, homeschool everybody and that's not a great idea, I'm like, would you rather have someone who has literally gone to school and been hired (laughs) to do this thing in a very purposeful and meaningful way that is not like... I think... I don't know if like... If parents think that when we get our degrees, depending on where we go to school, like if it's... You're taught how to be a science teacher um, in a very liberal way or a conservative way. Like, no, it is just it's literally just you were taught how to very meaningfully have these like tough conversations, how to invite students in, how to like facilitate discourse mm-hmm. and relate it to current day stuff in a very like like that's literally part like I, I can't be a teacher if I don't hit those benchmarks, if I don't do it in a way that yeah. um, includes everybody in the conversation, makes students feel welcome and understood um, 
And so the fact that you are, one, accusing me of not doing that is freaking mind-boggling in and of itself. And two, um, I'd love to... Go ahead. I'd love to see you try because I don't think that you're going to be able to do it. And I think if you were given that option in any other, like, field, like, if your doctor is telling you a thing and you're like, no, that's not how I would like to do that. I'm just going to do it. I don't know that that's going to... But now we're in that age. But that's, that's what's that so age. freaky. Like, that's, that's what's, what's literally with the happening right now. Yeah. And right. it's like... Because we've never respect in this country, we've never respected teachers. We've always treated them like garbage because we do base everything on money. And I really think there's a disconnect where people are like, well, if teachers were like really important, then they'd like get paid a lot. <laughs> like, and I think the fact that we don't allows people to be like, I could do this. And it's like, and I love, the idea. I love the idea that literally anyone on Wall Street is more important than a teacher. Dude, but like, I that, think like, people blo- like, think shit like that. It's, it, like, it's, I just... Because it, it's putting worth in the absolute wrong I know, wrong but places. I really but, think that people draw parallels like that. Um, But like on that on that note, I do, I think what these bills are doing is, on. I mean, they're doing so many things, but I think they are, they are both underestimating teachers and they are underestimating students. And I mean students of all colors, all orientations, all genders, they, they are, they are underestimating both sides of that equation because number one like we were just saying the vast majority of people especially given how freaking how 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 the pay isn't great and how hard it is to be a teacher and all these things all these roadblocks that teachers have in this country if people decide to teach the majority of people are deciding to teach because they feel a calling toward it and because they actually care about yes. educating young people and because they don't want young people to feel bad about themselves that's these bills so many of them are like well, because we don't want our white straight kids to feel bad we also don't want our straight kids to turn gay or trans there there we go that's like a whole other thing right but we like we don't want our kids to feel bad or to be swept up in any ideas that we don't agree with right but teachers teach because they care about children and because hopefully they have a way with them and a way of communicating information that will allow them to think critically and also build up their self-esteem and their knowledge and their ability to function in the world because why the fuck else do you go into teaching you're not making a million dollars a year literally a career so like so like first of all trust the teachers more just just trust the teachers more period end of story and on the other side of it, fucking give your kids a little more credit. Like, give your kids the credit that, like, they also, A, think critically and they, they want to understand the world around them and they want to understand themselves and the, and the, the, and the, the people around them. Like, and that... <laughs> And that they're not as fucking breakable as you think that they are. Kids are unbelievably resilient. And, like, also, we all talk about it. Like, we talked about with the pronouns, right? It's just like, oh, write your pronouns. Okay. Like, it's normal to them. This 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 stuff doesn't feel like an imposition for them because yes. they're growing up with it. What 
what this whole thing has made me think of and what I frankly I I think of all the time and I, I talked to to Gustav my husband about this because we were in the we were in the same US history class in um in 10th grade so we read uh we were assigned uh Howard Zinn's History of the United States People's History of the United States and by the way only the honors kids were assigned it not even any <laughs> no but no but I mean like what? Why? Why? Like they only so they were like, all right, guys, we're going to let you in on a secret. Um, I know you're 15 and sophomores in high school, but um, everything pretty much that you've learned up to this point in history has been bullshit. And we're just letting you in on this. So if you could not yeah. tell like the regular level history students, <laughs> yeah. we'd really appreciate that. And we're like, yeah, what? Super I mean, up. I remember sitting in my living room crying reading people's history of the united states being like as you should why when you read was the US i history? lied to like and that's and it has been my bone to pick with my, one of my major bones to pick with the with the american education system forever is the way that we view history through the whitest mcwhitey lens <laughs> ever in like in a way that is damaging on so many levels and then like i sit here and i'm like great so like i i'm i'm re-educating myself as so many of us who are white in this country are um thank goodness but like god damn it like i shouldn't have had to do that i should have been taught this i should have been taught like the truth of history from the time that i was little because also two truths can exist at once the founding principles of this country, of of the idea of freedom, freedom of speech, the idea of equality, you know, the idea of, you know, not having taxation without representation, et cetera. All these things that our, our country was founded on. Right. Like those are still good ideas and democracy is worth protecting. And there are things in this country that are beautiful and also it, we were able to economically survive because of slavery and the systems are built on that. And like the two things, unfortunately, exist at the same time. And white kids aren't going to, you know, crumble in little heaps of of guilt and and never be able to get up again if they learn about that. It's it's infuriating. Like and it was something where I just I vowed I was like, my kid is never going to be raised with that the kind of education that I had. Well, and I think it's not just that they're not going to crumble, but if they were, like, there's work to be done there, right? Like, that's that's yes. the fertile ground that you're able to make change happen. You're able to say, hey, you're having a lot of feelings about this. Like, let's talk about why that is. Let's not yeah. put that on our Black classmates. Let's not, you know what I mean? Like, this is how we navigate those conversations so that people start to find themselves accountable so that then the system is accountable. Yes. It's, it's, yes. it's that sort of conflict that we are robbing yeah. our kids, our students, the opportunity to have those, those moments to feel those feelings, to then get up and do something about it, to understand and process them yes. together and to, to push through so that like we don't have to continually have the same conversation for decades that's what i know progress that's what i mean exactly is that then these kids are coming up going wait like everybody including my parents fucked it up <laughs> and so mm -hmm. i'm not gonna let that happen like we're like we're changing it you know 
That's what these kids are going to do with this. But of course, that's at the core of all this, right? Is that these parents don't want things changed. Right. No, not at all. And, <laughs> and this that's is also what this where... goes back to. It's not and, and using your kids as a scapegoat is such a it makes me so fucking angry when parents do that. But anyway, this um, is also where the whole snowflake liberal snowflake argument just becomes like, <laughs> oh, so none of this means anything because the <laughs> idea of like, that's the number one thing, you know, we get mocked for safe space, you're triggered, blah, blah, blah. But the entire crux of this argument and the language in these actual bills is not to upset students. Mm-hmm. So it's like, so now you guys do care about your kids may be getting emotionally traumatized, but only when it's about teaching civil rights or like the concept of gender. But then our kids are fucking snowflakes if they like there's just no. And that's why I'm sorry, but you ca- it's very hard to have logical, rational arguments because we do live in like, quote unquote, a post facts world. So it's just y- you can't argue with some people. Because they'll they'll pull something like like the language in this bill that says you can't teach things that are going to upset kids. And then they'll turn around and go, your kid's a pussy because they get upset. <laughs> so it's like, what the fuck yeah. is happening? Well, <laughs> like, see, you know, Republican Party of Hypocrisy. There we go. Like, I don't know what else to say. It's just anyway. Anyway, but um, oh, wow. I knew we were going to talk a while about this. Um, So do any... Any closing thoughts? And I guess I guess maybe a good way to 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 frame this is anything that you both think that the listeners out there could do to better support our teachers, especially in this time. B, do you any any feelings about that? Um I don't know. Like I you know, it's very simple, but like, just be kind. Like, mm. like that's like that's really like be nice. <laughs> like, like it's hard. Like the like it's hard, and to you know, like and to and to get on on social media, which you know is supposed to be, you know, a fun supposed to. Uh, you know, a fun, you know, that's how it originated. Right, a yeah. fun place, you know, to get away, you know, turn your mind off, you know, to connect with people. And all you're seeing as a educator is just hate and mm. just nastiness. Mm. And specifically things that are outside of our control. Like I can only control what happens in my classroom. Like outside of that classroom, I'm like, I have no control. The building, the hallway, like I, at home, like I don't have any control outside of my classroom. Um, and to just hear things, you know, about what, what I should be doing as a, as an educator outside of my classroom and, saying I'm not doing as much as I possibly could, even though I get off work at 4.15. But if your child or is, is calling or texting me at 8 p.m., I'm still going to answer the phone yeah. because I, I care for that student and they're calling me yes. for a reason. Like, you think that's yeah. not going above and beyond? Mm-hmm. You know, like working mm-hmm. outside of my contracted time, which most if not all teachers do, 
Like, <laughs> oh, that <laughs> like, is such a like important. a There is no way. There's no way yeah, that like, there's, there's anyone that exists. It's a teacher that has never once taken work home with them. There's no way. Right. Absolutely. And I straight up don't think I knew that. I'm embarrassed to say because I am from a time pre-social media, pre-email being used a lot, except like in college. And like you just did. I cannot imagine interacting. Like when you ran into a teacher at the grocery store, you like freaked out (laughs) because it was so weird. So I think it's good for people, you know, my age and older to know that that's happening. That's wild. they, They call like they, you know, they call, they text, they email sometimes at 11 p.m. Yeah, like, you know, I have a specific, you know, school, like, number for my students. Um, You know, and and they call and they text and they, you know, they're asking for help. Or they're just asking to talk. Um, And that is a part of my job. And, like, I, you know, I often see, you know, teachers aren't doing enough. They, they aren't doing enough. They should be doing more. Like, the kids, the students shouldn't, all these kids should not be failing. They shouldn't be, you know. And it's like, I, am I supposed to sleep? <laughs> like, and it's so hard to know as a teacher, you're going above and beyond. And, it, you know, and it's just, you're just doing it outside of your classroom. Because you have to. There is no way to, to, to do your job just in school. It, you, it, most of it happens outside the classroom. And I just want people to know that and to understand, you know, like that's what it is to be a teacher and to be kind. Just be, you know, nice words. You know, that's it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, thousand percent echoing everything that B said. Um, I think... Um, that we, we were talking about how this is a systemic issue, right? And that is so true on another level as well. And that like, I feel like often what B's describing really is like, when you see people posting things, right? Those are the people in your community. Those are the people around you that are like, teachers need to be doing this. Teachers need to be doing that. There are parents that are near you, like things like that. We are so easily pitted against one another in these systems of inequality and injustice, right? Like, it's a lot easier for the people who hold the power to stay in power if we infight. And so often we will pit teachers and parents against one another so that we're wasting time bickering over things and blaming each other over stuff when really what we need to be doing is realizing that the system is what is what has caused this it's what's perpetuating it. Um, and so if we can, I just am begging, like, I understand there are bad teachers, right? Like, you can say that about any profession. There are bad doctors. There are bad lawyers. There are bad. But I need you to have good faith. It's like that be kind, just extending that, like what B's saying. Have good faith that your teachers have your students' best interests at heart. Because like Nicole was saying, I don't know a single teacher that I've um, worked with, that I um, studied with, that wasn't in the profession to just make the lives of their students better to disseminate, like get excited about stuff that we were excited about and want to share with our kids and do it in a way that is making each and every one of our students better people that like we would want to be out in the world doing amazing things. Um, And so to that end, I am begging people to listen to teachers. Teachers are tired. We are tired. 
we are like we are done as B saying like three people in one week quitting at one school that is insane we were we were in a teacher shortage pre-covid it was worsened by covid and i promise you i would put anything that i have that is worth betting on the fact that it will continually get worse if we keep passing legislation that is up right now and that also navigates into my next sort of thing that um, you all have hit on already, which is I know, I know that it's so easy to be, no one is at full capacity right now, right? Like none of us are operating at capacity to care for things that are going on around us. Trump, this pandemic has caused trauma. Our brains are not what they were pre-pandemic. Like there is a literal physiological response to what has happened to all of us. But I am begging people to listen to teachers, listen to queer teachers, listen to trans people who are begging you to pay attention and ask them what they need. And it's oftentimes I think it's really easy for folks to say, it's not my state. I don't know what to do. Um, You know, what is sharing this post going to do if it's happening all the way in Oklahoma? I don't know how people expect any change to happen if we're like social collect like Collective socialism, like socialism, like social awareness is what I'm trying to say. Collectivism, Collectivism. social awareness, like being aware of what's happening around us and raising our voices against things that are harmful is how we bring about change on a small level. Um, Grassroots are real for a reason. And so if you have a trans person close to you, if you have a queer person close to you, if you have a teacher close to you that is saying, hey, we need help, this is what we need, and you're not able to directly give that sort of thing at least share their post, amplify queer voices, amplify trans voices, listen to teachers with empathy and understanding that if we do not change what we're doing, teachers are going to leave. It's not like it's Mm -hmm. you want to stay for your students, but it's there's that balancing, right? And more and more teachers are at full capacity. For the longest time, I know teachers who are like, Ah, I can't leave because of my kids. Like it's been, I could retire this year, but I'm going to stick it out because the district isn't in a good spot. So I'm going to keep going. And I will tell you that because we're at a lower capacity, people are, it's, we are getting closer and closer and closer to people who aren't even close to retirement saying I'm, I'm done for right now. I cannot do this. Um, and so this is, this is a thing that will become a sort of like epidemic in and of itself. I think if we're not very, very careful. Um, and then another point, just one last thing is that like these things, as you're talking about, it's not happening in my state. These bills are designed purposefully to be carbon, you know, copy and pasted from one state to the next. There are actually whole coalitions. A lot of the anti-trans legislation that's happening right now, especially the ones that are affecting teachers and counselors and things like that, being like mandatory reporters to parents, outing their own students to their parents. Um, A lot of that is being driven by um, Christian law firms, Christian um, hate groups. And so they have whole coalitions and websites that make it as easy as copy and pasting a bill proposal Mm -hmm. to their state senator. And so there is a very um, aggressive, there's an uptick in this legislation that we're seeing that um, we've never, ever seen before. And so... You saying that it's, you know, it's not happening here right now. Trans kids don't, trans kids everywhere now and in the future do not have the privilege of waiting. It is happening right now. 
We need your help mm-hmm. um, to support queer kids. We need your help to support teachers. We need your help to support and defend literal, like, like freedom in school of like discourse about <laughs> literal history. Like it's just mind boggling that this is a thing that we're having to fight over. Um, and it's happening. It's happening now. There's not time to wait. Like if you're saying it's not here yet, there is not time. If you're saying that it's probably already too late. Um, and there are plenty of resources at your disposal. If you literally just type in like, um, Uh, anti-queer legislation tracker like three different websites will come up that make it very easy for you to track like what is happening in your state and what is up and when it's going to be heard by committees and so just just being aware i know that like again we it's it's a lot of bad news right now all of the time but like the people who are affected by this don't have the luxury of like waiting for your help if that makes sense like we need your help now um and to just to just amplify amplify those voices, be kind to one another, hold out hope, share tr- share things that are joyful too. I think that also tags on to what B was saying, right? Like it's <laughs> yes. not just yeah. like being aware of what's bad, but like if you see a story about like you know, I don't know, a queer teacher that did something cool with their classroom and like it went over like gangbusters, which never happens, but if it if it were, you know, <laughs> amplify that story, get it out there, let people know. Follow like hashtag queer Absolutely. teachers on on Absolutely. Instagram. You know, yeah. you'll you'll find stuff. And um, yeah. And on on that note, and before we plug socials, just I would say, you know, it twenty twenty two is an election year. Uh, FYI, <laughs> it is the midterms. Um, <laughs> for those who who don't know, um, not only will there be a bunch of house seats up, um, uh, there will be lots of local uh elections that are happening. Mm-hmm. This stuff is so easy in your area to find out. You know who's running, what their platform is, and what their background is. Just just please inform yourself and make sure you're registered to vote. It's just, it bears repeating, you know, always. Um, so uh, both of you, where can be, where can people find you on Instagram um, or Twitter, socials? I do have a Twitter, but I do not use it. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> yeah, it's there. Um, but you can find me on Instagram at between unread lines. I love it. What a name. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> Very poetic. <laughs> amazing i'll be following you immediately after this um (laughs) my socials are both on instagram and twitter um andy a-n-d-i-e underscore the underscore n-b e-n-b-y yay um i am at nicole payson on instagram and probably not on twitter (laughs) Y'all stop dissing Twitter. It's making. I love. Listen, Lauren is an excellent Twitter. Twitter. (laughs) There's so much Piero content on there. You know. Lauren's great. Lauren's all over. I'm just so embarrassed because every week our guests are like, I don't. Oh, I very much use Twitter. It's a spicy Twitter follow as well. Like if it's not your style, it's totally fine. But. Twitter's where it's at. <laughs> oh, it's just my shame leaking out. Um, I am at Lauren Flans on Twitter, Lauren underscore Flans on Instagram. And additionally, I'm going to shout out uh, my friend Fran is the executive director of a place called uh, Equality Federation. They're at equalityfederation.org, or you can follow them on Twitter and Instagram. And they uh, they fight against anti-LGBTQ legislation, et cetera. So the stuff we've been talking about, they literally have a button that you can click that says, mm. view my state. 
So it'll tell you, because I know a lot of this feels overwhelming, but you can go to sites like uh, Equality Federation, or I'm sure a million sites, the one that Andy referenced earlier, but you can get very specific information for your state. They will give you a template that you can email or text. So like people are really trying to make this easy for us to take as many steps as we can. We can tweet and Instagram out all of these things. Hells too, yeah. Hells yeah. yeah. We will be doing it throughout the week. Um, and and on that note, we'll do it at Coming Out Pod on Twitter and Instagram um, under the hashtags, hashtag Coming Out Pod, hashtag, hashtag found, found Ricky. And hey, let's also shout out our patrons who make this all possible. Uh, Mix Michelle <laughs> Forbes, Kristen Erickson, Simone, Jim W., Jack, Kim, Adri, Tanya, Mandy, Tia, Sarah Wilson, Pooh, We Bleed Philly, ooh, Philly, Sammy, Michelle, <laughs> Kaz, Carvel, Kieran Smiley, Aaron Mitchell, Vanessa Hunt, and beyond, Klexa, Dot com. If you would like to be on that list or check out any of our tiers of giving, you can start uh, at $1 a month by going to patreon.com slash coming out pod. Uh, you can also go to Apple Podcasts for free and give us a five star rating and a nice review um, so that people find the podcast and hear wonderful, informative episodes like ours today. Thank you again, Andy and B. This has been just Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you do. And thank you for being willing to come on and spend your precious time with us and informing our audience. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was fun. It was fun. All right. (laughs) Yay. Talk to you next Wednesday. Bye. Bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.